This copyrighted podcast is presented by the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council. The opinions and views shared by those of non-paid guests on the business of blueberries are those of our guests and do not represent the views, positions, or policies of the USHBC. The blueberry industry is like no other, passionate, resilient, and innovative. This podcast is your source for the latest information on the management, markets, research, and technology related to blueberry production. This is the business of blueberries. Here's your host, president of the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council, Casey Cronquist. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Business of Blueberries, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to the blueberry industry. One of the best parts about doing this weekly podcast is getting a chance to look at the blueberry industry from all angles. You've heard from producers, packers, marketers, researchers, and the list could go on. It's especially insightful, though, to hear from our customers. They are, after all, the engine that powers the business of blueberries. You're going to get to hear from some very important customers on today's episode. The conversation you're about to hear was recorded on stage during our Spring Forward meetings in Tampa, Florida. I hope you enjoyed episode 92, where we shared clips from the flavor panel. Today, you'll hear some of the highlights from our B2B targets panel. This is shorthand for the business-to-business customer targets, and it's a fascinating conversation with Adam Crisson of Chobani and Shane Shabley of First Watch, moderated by Amy Shipley of SRG. Adam, Shane, and Amy discuss the value of blueberries to food manufacturers and consumers, how they're thinking about the health and flavor properties of blueberries, how the pandemic has affected their business, and what they're thinking about in the future that might impact us in the blueberry industry. I'll drop into the conversation where Adam is talking about how important the blueberry is as an ingredient for Chobani. I think since the time I've been there, we've averaged about 50 products a year, uh, usually one to two platforms a year. So every six months, you know, we're launching something new. Now, sometimes it's, it's an extension of Greek yogurt or a different application and still kind of your same base, but it's still something different. You know, obviously blueberry and strawberry are number one and two SKUs, right? So you buy the 20 pack from Costco, from BJ's, that is a huge volume driver. And any change that I ever make to blueberry, right? Like it's a hundred million dollars, right? So I, I, I'm not going to mess that up. I have to be very close to that. And, and we have a characteristic profile of what our blueberry has always been. You know, we're, we're always trying to make that better, but it's still going to be a Chobani product for that blueberry. I tried last year, we moved in dairy creamers, so we had a contest of like, you know, you choose it kind of, uh, you call it flavor, you know, kind of thing. We had 100,000 submissions and we combed through all those submissions and went through it. And one of the ones that stood out to me was lemon blueberry. And so normally people wouldn't think about putting a fruit flavored product into their coffee. But if you, you know, really get kind of get to the root of coffee anyway, it can be fruity, it can, you know, have those green notes. And it was killer. Like, I really wanted that one to win. It was one of the, I made it one of the finalists. Uh, you know, I, I had, I might have, I might have massaged that a little bit. And that was definitely our favorite. But, you know, you can't, not everybody knows what they're talking about sometimes. Well, the maybe a little ahead of your time. Yeah. Just a little bit, right? I but keep so. pushing, so. right? Keep yeah. pushing for that. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, whenever you look at a new yogurt product, I think kind of the standard is almost you have to have a blueberry because it's just so connected with yogurt. And so when we talk about and think about what do we do next, I think there's the flavor profile of what a blueberry can be, right? We know that there's that whole spectrum of what a blueberry is supposed to or can taste like. And so we play in that realm, you know, this platform tastes this way, this platform tastes this way. But that you can only take that so far. I still don't think we've exhausted the plethora of options for that. 
But, you know, then there's also the antioxidant play and things like that. And I think now coming out of COVID, you know, people are more habitual than they used to be, but they're still looking for something that's going to be healthy. You know, there's certain products, and Blueberry obviously has Halo, that it is a healthy product, right? It's, it's pretty easy to sell. But there's more that can be talked about with that. You know, there's kind of that known that, yes, it is good for me. I don't exactly know why. Do I really care? We're not sure. Yeah. Um, and you got to kind of push that and probe that and say, yeah, you should. And this is why you should incorporate that more. So that's good. That's good feedback for the industry because I know we do have a significant effort against health and wellness, right? And obviously our nutritional benefits. But we need to be doing more, right, to be getting that word out. And that message yeah, out. I think there's a balance, yeah. right? Some people want to learn or they think they want to learn, but they don't actually want to. So you got to, you know, kind of press a little slow, right? You can't just come at them hard because then it's almost like you're telling them that they have been making the wrong decisions up until now. Yes. No one wants to hear that, do yeah. they? Yes. No, exactly. you've, you've like shamed them yeah. into choosing that. Yeah. No, we, we talk about that a ton, mm. especially on our social media platforms. It's like, we want to make this information available and like tell the stories of, of these partnerships, but we don't want to force it down people's throat. And, and I think, you know, some, the pendulum swung too far and it was like offensive. Now trying to understand like, okay, let those people who do want to learn, give them some resources, give them a way to dig a little bit deeper. So yeah, it, it's interesting you said that yeah. we talk about it all the time. And we had, Chobani doesn't have a marketing group per se. Our, our owner, he kind of comes through every couple of years and he might be unhappy with the performance of a group. So he just kind of axes him. Uh, <laughs> it, it's happened a couple of times. So we have a, a, a non-traditional model. So, you know, mm -hmm. when it comes to the R&D group, normally in a CPG company, the marketing says, I need you guys to make me this thing. It's exactly this, 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 and this, and this is how much it has to cost. And this is what we're going to sell it for. We start on the other side. We start with food and make it taste really good. And then we figure out if we can and how we can make money from it. So we swung that way too. The, the people who are not quite marketing, but almost marketing came back and they're like, we got to do vitamin C. We got to do this. We got to do this. We got to do this. It's COVID. It's COVID. It's COVID. This, is, this is the trend. This is the trend. Yeah, immunity. Trend, immunity. Right? Yes. Um, but we already kind of have those products that are good yeah. for you anyway. So the thing is, yes, we can do that. Can you sell it for more though? I love that. So uh, we hear this all the time. We can all connect, right? Taste matters, no matter what it comes down to. And we're lucky in the blueberry industry that we have a pretty killer product, right? It tastes incredibly <laughs> delicious, so start there. But then moving into the, the health side, it's almost like a strong PS for many folks, but you're leading with flavor. Well, we have many more highlights to share from this panel, but before we go further, let's take a quick break for our crop report. The North American season is well underway, and as we inch closer to the summer peak period, we're welcoming more and more regions onto these reports. So here, once again, is your blueberry crop report. It's time for your Blueberry Crop Report, an update on crop conditions and markets from important blueberry growing areas. Today you'll hear from Brandon Wade in Georgia and Ken Patterson in Florida. This was recorded on April 20th, 2022. This is Brandon Wade from Alma, Georgia. Uh, the Georgia crop is shaping up well. Weather looks very nice. Throughout the week, we just got over a, a little bit of a cooler spell, which has made harvest very nice and has kept quality up. Uh, next week looks into hot or hotter weather, uh, but with little to no rain. So we expect to move well along into looking at the peak of farthing in my area, southeast Georgia, being next week or into the week after that. Many people have already had their second picks on 
large varieties like farthing, nettlelark, and quality on the first pick was a little bit down, but it's mostly due to bird pressure. And then as well, we had some rain events and some of that lead fruit always has a little bit of freeze scarring. But quality is starting to shape up nicely. I hear to the west of us toward Homerville, they should be ramping up quite fast this week into, again, Farthing, Susie Blue, Meadowlark, Patricia. And hopefully the rest of our growers and just to the north of us will come online the end of this week or next week. So things are, move, are about to move really quickly as we start to get more volume. But the quality, as I said, is looking quite good. So we're expecting no big issues on harvest moving forward. Still trying to figure out exactly where our crop estimate numbers are. I continue to hear rumors at Palmerville that their crop is better than what they expected. And Alma and the surrounding area still look about the same as predicted previously, being in possibly of expected 40% of a crop as opposed to what we would have had. Homerville is looking stronger than that, possibly into the 60%, just ballpark. But we'll continue to see how these numbers shape up moving forward. And uh, I believe that's the update for this week. Well, hello, everyone. This is Ken Patterson from Florida with this week's crop report. The harvest continues with good volumes being shipped last week. The harvest in South and Central Florida is about 70% complete and their production should be declining by the end of next week. North Florida is somewhat variable in the degree of harvest, depending on the varieties planted in the field. Some farms are only about a third harvested, while others are on the backside of their peak with 60 to 70% harvested. Their volume should continue to be strong for probably two more weeks. Uh, labor has not been an issue this year, at all, unlike the bird pressure, which has been tremendous in all areas. Some growers have stated that it is the worst they have ever seen. Quality has remained good throughout the season, with the exception of sporadic hail damaged areas. The weather forecast continues to be warm with little or no, no rain in Florida for the next couple weeks, so harvest should be somewhat uninterrupted due to any weather issues probably up till the end of the harvest. The USDA is reporting that as of April 17th, Florida has shipped out 16 and a half million pounds of fruit. Well, thanks so much to our busy growers and colleagues who take time to participate in these reports. As a reminder, you can go to the new USHBC website where you'll find our data and insight center to see more data about what's happening in our blueberry industry. We have added a lot of new features to this dashboard, including USDA shipping price and movement, the retail category performance, Nielsen monthly retail sales report, and much more. So make sure you go there to our website at ushbc.org forward slash data to check that out. Now let's get back to our B2B targets panel from Spring Forward. I thought it was really interesting how Adam said they don't use consumer testing for product development, only for marketing. Next, Amy will dive deeper into how they're leveraging data and what we could do as a blueberry industry to best position ourselves for more of their business. We were working with Shane a few years ago, and these guys need data, right? You do mm -hmm. need some data. Yep. And so we did a patron study for all the different segments and came back with some data and said, look, we got the proof in the pudding right here. Be honest with this. Uh, worthwhile effort, not worthwhile? 
I don't know if it helps us to make decisions moving forward, but it certainly helps to validate a lot of those feelings that we have, right? Like we, we think this dish, some people would say it's ahead of its time. We should roll it. It's not the right time. Like you said, it's on that spectrum somewhere. So we use it a lot for that is to validate and say, okay, the time is right for this particular dish. Um, because we try and identify those trends. Like we want to be doing things when they're first landing in Southern California. They're just coming out of Australia. Or, yes. You know, that's how we try to identify it. So we look at it up at the top and anything that can help us to understand what's up here and does it have legs? Will it make it all the way down to these levels? No fast followers up here on this stage, I think, no. today. Yeah. How about you, Adam? What kind of, do you need more data? What, what do you need from the industry? What can we do to help you? You know, for us and specifically for our category, it, it would be, I think you've got your staple foods and we've got certain categories or certain platforms that are staple foods. So where, like, where do blueberries fall in that? Because it, it is a staple, but then people are also willing to expand. And I think it comes back to blueberries plus maybe, or, you know, where it's not just a blueberry. Because yeah. I think for us, that is a huge volume driver. So we're not going to mess with that portion. But if we were to go into something else, what is the something else? That makes sense. And Shane, you're shaking your head on that too. You can relate. Yeah, we, we talk about that a lot. Like a dish that, that I'm super passionate about. I think it's going to make it. Sometimes they don't, and you have to listen to the rest of the team and understand there's different perspectives sitting at that table. When you're talking about you know, ingredients specifically, or, or blueberries even, you know, we, we have an amazing fresh juice program that we launched in 2015. So every 10 weeks, we change one of the juices, and it, and it goes with the season. And we've juiced blueberries. Takes a long time, those little guys. You guys know. But we put them through the juicer and uh, found out, like, look, IQF blueberries actually yielded yeah. a much better product and flavor and color and, you know, I was on the other side of that, like, no, 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 this, that's ridiculous. Like, we have to juice fresh. We have to juice fresh. And they just, they didn't perform. So in that particular case, we used it. We supplemented with a little bit of white grape juice to kind of stretch it. And it was a killer, you know, a killer LTO for us. That's a great point. I mean, we are really blessed as an industry to have a variety of different formats that we can mm -hmm. serve up. And especially post-COVID, we just spent a lot of time with Arjun talking about, I mean, all of us are having labor challenges. Yeah. I don't care what industry you're in. It's, it's been tough. Um, and we're lucky because we're able to switch and look at different formats from frozen, right, mm -hmm. to IQF and, and fresh and, and powders and different programs. So, yep. yeah. And have you been able to lean into that too, in terms of different formats of blueberries? And It's, it's such a huge volume for us that, mm -hmm. that luckily that honestly has not been one of our supply chain challenges. I think uh, for the last 18 months, my job switched to 50% just supply chain. And so it's interesting because it, it's kind of changed the perspective. We used to have these sacred cows for Chobani. Like, you do not question these things. This is just not, it's wow. not on the table, right? And now, you know, a couple of years ago, I, I, I fundamentally changed the way we make our yogurt. But I had to prove that to the owner. And so now, like, that sacred cow is gone. And then, you know, there was the way we make our fruit preps. There's certain way. It has to be this. It has to be this. It has to be this. Okay, so all last year, well, I don't have this thing. Like, do we just not make it? No, I got to figure out a way. So some of these things have shifted on what is the most fundamental, important aspect of our products and how do we keep that versus all the other things that are, yes, they're good and they're complementary and they, they bring our, our whole package and our whole delivery. But if I'm missing this thing, I can probably balance it out with this thing. That's okay. We don't want to do that, but it's okay to do that for a, you know, 
six weeks, six months if we have to. So it forced a lot of creativity, obviously, mm -hmm. supply yeah. chain. And quick reaction, because a lot of it was just, it, it stuck in the port. We thought it was going to get out in 16 days. It's now 64 days. You know, and it's nothing against our vendors. But it's, it was a very difficult time where, you know, it's like, hey, give us a heads up that you're already going into your reserve <laughs> stock. And then, oh, we, are, we already used up our reserve stock. So I have nothing. Now you know? what? So, yeah. yeah. Now what? Exactly. So I, I do want to ask you something. It's a little controversial, too. Who does it really badly? Like, what should we not do? Okay, like, what? Like, please don't do X, right? Tell us about folks that you're like, just, you don't need to name names, but just tell me about what, please don't talk to me like this. Please don't come at me. For, like, from an ingredient side? Yes. I think the biggest thing is to understand who you're trying to sell to, right? I, I mean, I, uh, I think I, I talk to my team, and they're, they're scientists, and some of them are introverts, some of them are extroverts, and say, like, you're selling to me every day, right? So why should I let you do this project that we don't have resources for? Or why, why should it taste this way? Or, you know, all these things. And so understand your audience. I'm a different audience than our boss. I'm a, I'm a different audience than, you know, the operations group or the procurement supply chain group. And so if you, wanna, if you want your message to resonate, if you want it to go your way, you have to understand who, you, who you're speaking to. Like there's cold calls and that's part of the sales business. You know, that, that exists. And, you know, those are the emails and the messages that I ignore. Um, but, you know, trade shows kind of shut down a little bit, obviously, during mm -hmm. COVID. And I know we get a lot of our information there, too. Do you go to websites or where, honestly, do you, like, go at 2 in the morning when you need data and things like that? What do you rely upon? Like, for us, at least our group, it, it is just kind of triggered by some, like, you see it and you say, oh, that sounds cool. I'm going to figure out how to do that. I, I, you know, I was, uh, I was talking to somebody I met at. Actually, the last show that the reason I'm here is because uh, we were at one in Palm Springs a few months ago. You know, they reached out to me and, and I have no idea what we're going to do with it, but it sounds cool. So we're just going to start playing around with it. Excellent. It, it, Good job, yeah. Alicia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, might work, might not. I, you know, so we'll see where it goes. Excellent. What about you, Shane? Uh, it's the same. Like, know for us, know who your customer is. You know, in our restaurants, we're open 7 a.m. to 2.30 p.m., we have no fryers, no microwaves, no heat lamps in any of our restaurants across the entire country. And so, you know, obviously there's a, there's a lean or a, a focus on healthy food. But like, if you want a triple stack of chocolate chip or blueberry pancakes, you can do that too. So I think it's important for someone who's, who's cold calling or, or trying to sell us anything to not start the conversation with, hey, we have these great chicken bites that'll go in your fryer and out in two minutes. Like, I think that's one that, that, that gets me. And then also um, not being available nationwide. You know, we walk through a trade show and everyone, oh, I love your restaurant so much. And, you know, we're so humbled and, and thankful for that. But at the same time, we, we can't buy this blueberry syrup you're making in your bathtub. Like, it, it's just not going to happen. We can't get into our restaurants. Distribution is a, a big, you know, a big part of yeah. the business. And so understanding, you know, we use Dot Foods a lot. You ask, you know, where do you go shopping yes. at, at night or when we're developing recipes? You know, that's usually our first stop, first or second. Dot Foods is, is an awesome redistributor. For those of you guys who don't know, and then they're actually able to get product in every one of our distribution centers and then down into our restaurants. So if we find something here, we know we can get it everywhere. And so that, that automatically checks that box. I also think it's, it's helpful just to have product to look at. You know what I mean? S send something. If I, if I don't have a home for it now, that thing, whatever it is, will, will be stuck in, in the back of my head for future development. And because we go to market differently and we develop, we, we develop the food, the dish for the dish itself, and then we go and source the ingredients. So 
if I'm developing this dish, I know that I found this blueberry syrup or, or, you know, whatever it is somewhere. I've seen it along the way. I can go back and make sure that I talk to that manufacturer first. And by that point, they've already been vetted and we already make sure they're in distribution and all those you know, questions have been answered, but that's a big part of it for me. You know, I might not have a home for something. And I mean, we talk about this with Giovanni, Chef Jake all the time. Like you guys are making all these cool, great products and you've always done a great job of, Hey, we made this, you know, here it is. Maybe it has a home, maybe it doesn't right now, but knowing that we spend a lot of time together in the industry and we all kind of travel in the same circles, knowing what's available is a big part of that development later on in life. We're going to take a quick break here for our marketing boost. We'll be right back to this conversation in a moment. But for now, here's USHBC NABC Vice President of Marketing and Communications, Jennifer Sparks. Thanks, Casey. While it's still April, USHBC's promotions team has been hard at work in the development of the many programs and activations to engage our consumer audience throughout the month of July. Why? Because it's National Blueberry Month. This includes the planning of a kickoff event for media in New York City during the last week of June to start National Blueberry Month off with a boost. The key to this event is to capture media attention for blueberries to kick off or really boost off our month. We'll promote a 31-day challenge for consumers to grab a boost of blue and post about their love for blueberries all throughout the month of July, which in turn helps raise funds to feed kids through our partnership with No Kid Hungry. The wheels are turning at full speed to make this the best National Blueberry Month yet, and we will have much more news to share as we get closer to the boost off. Blueberry industry, here's what you can do as you plan your own National Blueberry Month promotions and celebrations. Go to ushbc.org toolkits to find the newly updated National Blueberry Month toolkit. It includes USHBC's national plan for download, as well as loads of tools and resources you can use in your own communications to tie in with the month. This toolkit will continue to be enhanced, including the development of step-by-step instructions and ways that the industry can engage with USHBC's activations during July. All of that is in the works alongside our continued development of the consumer and media programs. Also available at ushbc.org slash toolkits are tools and resources to promote the health benefits of blueberries for Brain Health Month in June. Lastly, a reminder of upcoming Blueberry Day tentpole moments. April 28th is Blueberry Pie Day. May 26th is Blueberry Cheesecake Day. So many opportunities to spread the blueberry love. This has been your Marketing Boost. Thank you for your partnership as together we inspire the world to grab a boost of blue. Casey, back to you. Thanks, Jenny. Now back to Amy, Adam, and Shane for our final segment of the B2B Target Panel, where they'll talk about packaging, sustainability, and the role of industry groups like ours to tell our story. So has anyone seen the new packaging for Giovanni? Not just the new branding, which is just exquisite, but you switched packaging. That was a major, major, was that last year? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, um, it's, the supply chain isn't quite there yet. So we've got some fiber (laughs) cups uh, that have come out in the last couple months and it's a challenge right now to get that because it's it's not you know it's not domestic manufacturing it's we're pulling manufacturing from all over the world and now you've got all the issues come stuff getting stuck in port we're air freighting things left and right all these things are just fundamentally very challenging so we're trying to as a company build that forward but it's going to be it's going to be a long stretch because then we have to sell people on why you should pay more for it 
right? Because most people just, that's ah, fine. Like I won't be around when this package, is, I, I don't have to worry about it. If you want to charge me five cents more for this yogurt because it has a better package, yeah, I'd rather keep my nickel. Yeah. But, I mean, that is the majority of consumers. So yeah, that's the tough road because we're all, yeah. obviously, we're all interested very much in sustainability, of course, right? Mm -hmm. It's what's right, but it's gotten very difficult to actually execute on that mm -hmm. properly, yeah. right? How about you, Shane? It's a tough discussion to have, right? And, and especially given the supply chain challenges, you know, over the last year, um, we have some, some amazing longtime business partners that were, had to make that really difficult phone call, I'm sure, for them. Like, we just can't get product to you. Some of it was, was coming from overseas. Some of it was, was domestically produced and, and weather issues or labor challenges or, or whatever it is. So that forced us into some other discussions about sustainability and said, you know, we've been talking about this thing for a long time. We haven't made the move to a new straw or a new to-go package or whatever it is. Sometimes for monetary reasons, it would be a significant cost increase. But also sometimes, like, does the consumer want that or does the consumer know that they want that yet because it's going to increase costs and increase menu prices and because of what happened around the supply chain and labor it made us you know take that step forward and partner with some of these people and we're about to you know not to mention names we're about to roll out a, a brand new product here in the next probably three to six months and it was something we've been talking about for years and now, you know, finally, and it is a fully sustainable product, and it'll be, it'll be a really big deal in the industry when we do that. But all this was born because the manufacturer of that product, who's been a partner for 12, 13 years, discontinued it. And so, yeah, it's going to be a cost, but we're going to have to take that cost anyway. So we might as well take that cost and, by the way, get a better product that we can talk about via social media and, and help meet some of our ESG goals and that sort of thing. So, Yeah. It's been an interesting We're trying to experience. do more. You know, obviously, we, we do a lot of good work in sustainability in our industry across all the mm -hmm. different aspects, both here in the U.S. and around the world. And we're trying to articulate that story better to you guys. So our story, if you will, can become part of your, your story, if you will. Is that relevant to you today? Manufacturers and, and suppliers do that? I think yes. And it's really, for us, a lot of times the role of the boards and commissions, because that's who can help tell us um, a brand agnostic story, right? Because you guys represent all of the growers and all of the manufacturers versus us trying to tell a specific story of, you know, Wish Farms because they're up on the screen or, or Driscoll's or whoever it is. That's important, but we get into a lot of discussions with our marketing team of like, well, if we tell the story of Driscoll's or Wish, are we using Driscoll's or Wish all the time? Mm -hmm. Or is that story only true 20% or, or one month out of the year or whatever it is. So for us, in a lot of discussions with our marketing team, it's become way more important to kind of take a step back and have the discussion with the boards and commissions who can tell the story of the entire industry. And it might not be as tight a story or, or hit as many bullet points, but for us, it's more true. More true. Uh, yeah, more, more true more of the time. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, yeah. you paint yourself into a corner. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, because everybody <laughs> wants to say all these things. Right. I've got, I've got all these beautiful things, that, you know, the romance on the pack and everything. But then what happens if there's an issue? Yeah. And I think yeah. that that has actually worked in my favor because we were always pushing against to say, like, Shivani's always been lower sugar on than our competitors. And we came out with a platform called Less Sugar Greek. And when we did that, the R&D folk just said, guys, are you like, are you serious? Are you sure that we want to do this? And then if it's 35 percent less sugar, or 45 percent less sugar. If it's 45, let's say 35. 
Because somebody's mm-hmm. gonna, they're gonna come back and they're gonna reformulate yeah. and they're gonna drop their sugar in. And you know, for a while we kind of had, we were getting caught. We had to just wow. constantly change our label. And it's things like that. And so mm-hmm. now with COVID, now I can push back a lot more and say, that's too specific, that's too specific, that's too specific. But when you build up that entire brand and that entire commodity as the board, then you have those things that you can rely on. Mm-hmm. And yes, maybe somebody else has one more bullet point that you could say, but you can at least prop up the entire platform. That's right. I think for us, it's also about like telling the entire story. So we're, we're, we're not talking about it specifically in, here's our no-no list. We don't have any of these ingredients in any of our foods. For us, it's more of, hey, let's tell the story every month about a new manufacturer or a new um, grower that we partner with or, or whatever it is. Um, we're finding that telling the story that way of our brand and our partnerships is way more beneficial for everyone, right? More the consumer, relevant, more the consumer feels better, right? We feel better. Our marketing department's happy, and our partners are also excited to to kind of build their brand up as well. Because a lot of times, boards and commissions don't necessarily have the following that a brand would have, and so we're happy to kind of tell that partnership and educate the consumer to a certain degree of. Yeah, we appreciate that. <laughs> they do. We deal with that a lot. Like, what in the heck do you do? Yeah. What, what's your role in all of this, right? Right. You know, and our role is obviously to build demand, right? Right. Um, for blueberries and to prove that out. And then we and then we step back, right? We let the folks in this room go in and, and do their due diligence and, and mm-hmm. do hopefully a good sales job for you in the end. It's just building connections. Building connections. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, so you guys, we're running out of time. We need another hour. Casey, give me another hour. First of all, I will say, um, please stock your refrigerator with Shivani if you don't already have loads of it in your fridge. Wicked cool products that you're launching. Thank you for all of that and for all of your innovation. Shane, oh my gosh, one of our favorite breakfast concepts in the country. Thank you. Um, just thrilled to have you here. Thank you for having us to your great state of Florida as well. Absolutely. Um, please make sure you stop in and check out First Watch too. That's coming down the pike just to spark some creativity for you all, right? Because that's what it's all about. Yeah. So thank you. Go Blueberries. Please formulate more with Blueberries. Future more Blueberries <laughs> on your menu. We're very grateful. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Our pleasure. Thank you. That's it for episode 95. Thanks again to everyone who attended and contributed to the Spring Forward meetings there in Tampa. I think the event was a huge success. We're still enjoying the afterglow from that experience. Also remember what Jenny talked about in our marketing boost, checking out all of our toolkits that we have online there. The link once again is ushbc.org forward slash toolkits. There are a ton of great resources there for you to check out. So be sure to use those resources to help us work together to promote blueberries. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week with more innovation, collaboration, family, and hard work right here on the Business of Blueberries. Blueberries.